All right, let's do this. Cool. I don't think it'll take long for us to talk about this episode. Nothing fucking happens in it. It's so inconsequential. Nothing happens. Actually, no. I'm gonna do the intro, and I'm gonna. Say, <laughs> I'm gonna do the intro. All right. Cool. Okay. Because I know what I'm gonna say. All right. You good? Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do this. All right. Hello and welcome to Point of Origin episode 62, the show where this episode doesn't need to exist at all. You could have just, if, if Makepeace is leaving this show, just just stop showing him. It's not like we see the Marines all that often anyway. It's not like we would have really remembered. <laughs> we weren't exactly screaming for his, his uh, presence like with Walter. Yeah, no. Like, we enjoyed him in that second Hathor episode, which is what kind of why I was insulted by this episode, too. It's like, the last time we had him, he was a delight on screen. What are you doing, show? Yeah, I just, I hate them taking a character that has demonstrated that they're not a bad character. They're, they're not even, like, just a cliche. They can actually, like, exist. And, and they're then like, backtracking, you know what? Let's like, oh, no, I lied, I lied. Reduce to a piece of paper. Never mind. Yeah. Stereotypes. Bad guys. Mm. Scapegoats. <laughs> Yeah, this this episode Sucks. doesn't solve anything at all. It literally just re- it creates its it, own it problems talks, for no reason. It talks about things that were supposedly happening in the background that the viewers never saw, so they didn't have to be happening at all. <laughs> yeah, no, I hate I hate non-impactful ones. You know, like where it's especially when it's not enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, like okay, uh, wow, I really hate how much I go back to Supernatural as a reference, but I do. Well, there's so much of it. Yeah. There's um there's something I I've always really kind of liked and it wasn't like it was even it, it wasn't even that heavily set up. I uh. just like it as a setup. There's a character Bobby and when he's um after his character dies, they uh set up that he's actually been hanging around to help out his boys for a little while. And it's set up in a good way, I think. Like at one point Dean puts down his beer bottle and then finds it half drunk in a different location and obviously they're trying to set up that Bobby's you know still around and I think honestly it's probably just within one episode so this is still probably a really shitty comparison but yeah it sets up a problem kind of in advance at least with like Bobby's death ahead ahead of time and they leave it open-ended whether or not he actually moves on or not and then they use a little bit of time to kind of set up the conundrum of okay what do we do if Bobby's still here Mm mm-hmm That's how you set something up. That's gonna be a problem. That's gonna be a twist. That's, you know, a twist actually shouldn't be out of nowhere. It shouldn't be a complete surprise. Because if it can't be traced, then that wasn't a twist. That was just the writer pretending to be clever. Yeah. Because, honestly, it's not a good twist if you can't have your audience be part of the journey in some fashion. If you're... Mm -hmm. It's like sometimes I, I critique uh, certain parts of like the Oceans movies because they'll show, oh, by the way, during this entire thing we were showing on camera, this other thing was completely off camera going on in the background. I think for the most part, they do a good job with that. I think I, I said parts do a good job with that is Oceans 12. Right, yes. My, my point is that but yeah. whenever it happens in any of the Oceans movies, I don't care for it. And I don't yeah. care for the, an example of it here in this episode of this show which is by the way a bunch of shit was going on in the background completely unseen and it's cool and it's twisty and it's all sus and it's completely verifiable because we say so yeah and i'm like uh, there's no. been no evidence of this happening anywhere yeah. before no. and it's like you haphazardly tie it into a previous storyline and call it a conclusion to it by saying yeah you saw me in a warehouse once Mm-hmm. no that's not that's mm, mm, no 
I'm sorry, sir, but that does not count. No, no, it does not. That's bad writing. That's lazy writing. That's I've used it before as a bad exa- as an example as a, bleh, as an example of bad writing that somebody thought was clever when they used it in Deadpool too. When he uh, it's like I wonder what the code on the back of the collar is, and she oh, goes one. seven. Oh, seven, seven. And yeah. it turns out it's that. And he's like, well, that's just lazy writing. I'm like, you're right. It is just lazy writing. And calling it out doesn't make it less stupid. <laughs> So having it here be like this, I'm like, yeah, see, look, we connected it. You saw me in a warehouse. And I'm like, fuck you. That doesn't count for shit. Yeah, you're right. So yeah, um, I would recommend uh, just don't watch this episode. Yeah, just ignore it. It's inconsequential. If you didn't watch this episode, you miss nothing. Because Makepeace doesn't show up often enough for us to suddenly be like, hey, here's Makepeace. Dude, and the worst part is, okay, if you wanted to make it, like, more impactful by having it be a character that we've come to know and I could even, in a faint universe, say, maybe eventually love. <laughs> if you wanted to make this impactful because of the the turncoat nature of Makepeace, speaking of lousy setup, you didn't do any here. No, <laughs> like he's Maybe just he introduced to that. the episode and then immediately his next appearance is being a problem that's not set up that's barely even a scapegoat at that point that's oh wait there's a name on a paper he was in an episode before that means we can use him he's got backstory and it's like ugh. The poor actor I hope right? he actually, like, asked to leave the project or something. Right, God, can you imagine so, that being your write-out? It's so rotten. That's, like, back-alley, mid-season soap opera bad write-out. Except they can't bring him back as his own clone or anything. <laughs> his own evil twin. Yeah, because they'll do the clone thing with Jack, not make peace. Yeah, no, fuck this episode. The only good yeah. thing about this episode is that it references Lara, which I was proud, I was happy to see they actually referenced Lara again in some capacity. I actually, okay, here's the thing, I made a note about it, and while I was like, oh, Lara, the fact that it was literally last episode makes takes it away kind a lot. of lazy reference. Yeah, no, yeah. it takes away a lot, but at least it's better than zero. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I'm just trying to do that thing you've always said, which is, you know, you have to say something positive about the episode. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. It's still a little rotten in the narrative for him to use her name as an excuse for a frickin' uh, undercover mission. This episode doesn't fit with the character of Jack. No. Which is why there's a part where I was like, well, you know what, let's, let's uh, do our openings and then let's start talking about it. Uh, I'm Mel. And I'm angry. That's not your name, though. It might as well be. It's a, it's a decent reflection, but it's not your okay, name. Okay, well, my name... My, my, what, oh shit, somebody said it once. My, uh, government name. <laughs> my government mandated name. My government mandated name is Liz. I mean, no, it isn't. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right, it isn't. My name is Liz. <laughs> Fine, I give in by nature of necessity. Uh, and today we unfortunately had to watch season three, episode 18, Shades of Grey. Which is, uh, according to you, the last episode Jonathan Glasner writes for this show. He went out on a piece of shit. He could have gone out on Forever in a Day, but he chose to go out on this. God, it's such a bad episode. It, it, God, it really does track with his writing, though, because it's just, it's bad. And dots don't connect. He tells us they do, but they don't. No, they don't. This episode is as necessary 
as any of our freaking clip show episodes. That's how necessary this episode. (laughs) Yeah, the best thing I can actually say about this episode is that it's got some funny comedy at the end, and that's like it. And that's hardly a saving grace. Uh, there is actually, I, I almost forgot to write it on a note, so I'm actually going to talk about it now, because if I don't talk about it now, I'm going to forget it, and it's a good transition. So, while unfortunately it was written by Jonathan Glasner, it was directed by Martin Wood, who's one of the guys we trust. Yeah, I had to admit, I did see a couple of moments in there, in there where I was like, you know what, not the worst director. Exactly, there's um the shot when he's leaving, uh, when he's going through the gate alone. The transition between the SG-1s, the SGC side of the gate, him walking through the gate and coming out on the other planet was so smooth and amazing. It was a great shot. No, that was a great shot. I loved that one. I also loved the um, bit when he's in Hammond's office and the shot starts from behind the coordinate map thing that Mm -hmm. uh, Hammond's drawing on whenever they feel like showing us that intro. Yeah. You can hear him from behind the pane first, so it's muffled speech. Yeah. And then the shot resumes on the other side with, you know, the actual, the more normal uh, up-close shot that we're God, so you know accustomed what? to. And Martin Wood is always the one they make do the directing for the clip show episodes, too. Like, so let this tracks. man direct good episodes. <laughs> yeah, you know, you guys can just give him something decent to work with. He's I know you've also it. got David Wary Smith and Peter Deloise, and they're also good directors, but Martin should be allowed to have you should be divvying these up differently (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's just our five cents i would say two cents but now it's five because there's two of us and we're adding one for emphasis it's the inflation (laughs) that one (laughs) but yeah um so you know writing bad directing good doesn't save the episode though nope but yeah, so uh, let's just talk about this piece of shit so it, we can wipe it from everybody's memory. Because j- trust us, just don't watch this episode. You're not gonna, you're not gonna lose anything from what. Because I, I just, I just, I, I genuinely don't know. Does Mayborn come back? He can't be gone. <laughs> maybe they're going. Maybe they're gonna hard pivot into. Um, I never remember the actor's name or the character's name in this show, but hard pivot to Q being the oh John Delancey, antagonist. yeah John Delancey. I never remember the actor's name. He's always just Q for me. I have to remember his name because my parents used me as an infant to get his autograph for free. So oof, <laughs> that's how they got all the autographs of the next gen crew. Was by okay, showing right. up at conventions with their infant and going, look how cute she is. We don't, we don't have $85 to spare for an autograph. Amazing. According to them, so there's, there's I was a held tip by Patrick for guys. Stewart for it. So yeah, that's, there's a tip oh, for you God. guys. Use your there infants you and your infants can be held by, uh, by uh-huh. knights, you know? Or just like steal a baby and do or it, ste- you know, whatever works. There we go. There's some good advice. Steal a baby. <laughs> <laughs> steal a baby. <laughs> Okay, I feel for legal purposes, we should just specify real quick, we are not in any way endorsing stealing babies. That's where you do, like, the, the really quick, fast-talking yeah. under thing. Point of, Point of origin, origin does, does not, not endorse. endorse stealing babies. Point of origin will not supply you a lawyer if or when you steal a baby and are arrested for kidnapping during the ensuing Amber Alert. I mean, Jack didn't get in trouble for his kidnapping. They tried to pretend he was Yeah, well, we don't all it, have, but... you know, black site army shit on our side. Um, I did just realize, though, that this episode, a, f- a joke we could have used for our opener is the episode where no one recognizes significant personality changes, so don't count on any of them to point out that you might have a brain tumor. 
<laughs> I mean, they do take him to medical, like, there's something wrong with him, clearly, but they do, like, the most basic of tests. And which, then she to be slaps fair, something on his forehead and rips yeah. it off, which, like, what the fuck was that? Like, a temperature gauge or an eye wax? Your, oh, not your, uh... Eyebrow wax. waxing. An eyebrow waxing. Like, what was she doing? Know. Giving him an eyebrow trim? Or was that a stupid stick-on thermometer? Because, you know, I feel like you have more sophisticated equipment in your med, med-, med-, med bay. Or at least I, I mean, hope maybe you Janet also knew, so she wasn't putting much effort into yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, this episode sucks. Let's just, yeah, let's get, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's do this. All right. So, uh, we open up on... Um, New Tolana. I don't know what they call this new place. I think I think care. it's literally called New Tolana, <laughs> or or just Tolana. Either way, it's uh, something that easy. Okay, well, we open up a New Tolana where Tolana two. Daniel Daniel is two point uh, Daniel's trying his best to use his puppy dog eyes to convince the Tolan to give them technology, despite the fact that it's against their their uh. The rules. But using puppy dog eyes to get weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, exactly. Just, please, please, sir, may I have some more? How else are you supposed to get them? I don't know, Mel. I've never had to broker for weapons before. (laughs) That's your problem. That's my Uh, problem. But yeah, so, um, and they're like, no, we don't do that, you know? And he's like, you know, but maybe this is an opportunity where you could change the rule a little bit. <laughs> Dude, like, I, okay. love, I love how they exchange patronizing views there where he goes, okay, yes, but see, on our country, we can change laws. <laughs> and she just gives him the eyebrow of, yeah, fuck off. <laughs> but yeah, so um, th- she does this whole thing where she's like, okay, what are you planning to use him for? And he's like, defense against the gold. And she's like, okay, but our our research shows that you're more likely to use him against more of your own kind. And on one hand, while I hate the ego of her being like, this is clearly what you're going to use it for. We know you better than you know yourself. Is she's, she wrong? She's not wrong. Is she wrong? <laughs> You know the minute Senator Kinsey was told they had a weapon of mass destruction, he'd be turning it on other countries. He'd be like, ooh, we can use this to get oil. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Oh, he would We had a president literally justify an entire war that's yep. just now finally beginning to kind of sort of trail off. That's all based on the fucking pursuit of oil, so mm-hmm. yeah. You know, because, you know, why, why invest those trillions in sustainable practices or discovering new, better... Fuels other than fossils, whatever, sure, that's just, you know, fine. Gore and I will go die in a corner over here trying to protect the planet a little bit, Jesus. Yep. I mean, in this heat, you are going to die in a corner. <laughs> Dude, we couldn't record no when we wanted to because it was a hundred plus yes. fucking degrees here. Yeah, we were planning we were recording earlier dying. And I woke up to a text from you being like, I'm not recording in this heat. <laughs> I wasn't even apologetic. I'm like, no, it's 104 already. It's supposed to get hotter. Here's the thing. Before you sent me that text, I was going to be like, I'm going to have a fan on while we're recording and they can just deal with the sound. <laughs> I was going to do it with the air conditioner on, you know, the one we rolled into the bedroom yeah. and set up in our window and everything. Because it was like, no, screw this. So we were yeah. just going to hunker down in here and I was going to just tell Eric, go be quiet in the corner while I record. Go be quiet in the corner. <laughs> and then uh, and then it hit 100 before 11 a.m. And uh-huh, I was like, okay, uh-huh. nope, I'm out. Fuck that shit. It was 20 degrees lower in California. Climate change is a hoax. 
If it wasn't too hot, I would punch anyone who told me that. Dude, yeah, it hit 111 before it started to break. That, yeah, that's how disgusting. bad. That's how bad it got in Washington. And that was the night I got to go work in a cafe that had no no AC next to a 400 degree oven. But yeah, but yeah. So uh, I I don't have a fan going right now. I'm doing that for you listeners at home. It is still quite hot. Oh yeah, so, it's still uh, in the eighties. Let's get through this garbage. <laughs> and so the the Tolan are like, no, we're not giving you technology. And Jack throws a little bitch fit and storms off. And as they're leaving, he stops by one of those little panels that disables the uh, weapons. And he confirms with the rest of the team that that's what that is. And they're like, yeah. Like, Ari, like, what the fuck is wrong with you, Jack? Like, you said, like, no one's gonna notice that there's any wild character changes. All of SG-1 spend this entire episode being like, what the fuck is wrong with you, Jack? Like, the but, whole But episode. doing nothing about it. Like, they're no, just, like, absolutely, Like, yeah. there's trusting your commanding officer and friend, and there's being complicit to treason. Also, I would say um, a lot of that would come down to acting and directing, not writing. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, That's why this delivery. episode sucks so much, is yeah. none of the characters here... Like, it wasn't until... The, so, in the, I, I remembered the episode from the, when I had seen it before. So, I knew what was going on, obviously. I can't pretend otherwise. Yeah. But, oh, yeah, yeah. But I couldn't remember the details. I couldn't remember if all of SG-1 was in on it or not until, you know, it was revealed. Uh-huh. And for a little bit, I was, like, convincing myself, oh, okay, they're acting like this because they're in the know. And then it was revealed to me yep. they didn't know. And I was like, okay, so the writer just wanted them to not be themselves for an entire fucking episode so that everything could actually happen. Because aside from a half-hearted little conversation between Daniel and Jack where Daniel gives up immediately. Uh-huh. None of these people are acting like they know this guy. They're all just going like, hey, this this isn't cool. Nudge, nudge. Hey, this still isn't cool, bruh. And then just they let it happen. And yep. you damn well know Daniel, because especially because Daniel... Daniel understands what right and wrong are and how to use them appropriately here, and Daniel would never have let this go. Carter would never have let this go, and Teal'c would have had something to fucking say <laughs> before he yeah. let this shit go. But all three of them are just like, this is inadvisable. Oh, well, yeah, I guess uh, it's happening. So this is a call-out post for Jonathan Glasner. Um, Get good, You're scrum. allowed to give Teal'c lines. <laughs> you're allowed to write. And, and hanging a lampshade on it in your script by having Jack be like, and Teal'c... Well, he didn't say anything, but I could tell he didn't approve by his eyebrow and head cock. It's like, hanging a lampshade on it with a halfway decent joke doesn't diminish the fact that you didn't give him lines. <laughs> I thought the episode was better than it was up until the end, because again, I was convinced SG-1 had to all be in on it based on these kinds of lampshady lines. I thought they were more clever than they were, because I thought it was Jack going, yeah, and, and Teal'c, you know, played his part really well, nudge nudge, because yeah, right? all he did was glower at me instead of doing something more. You know, like, who knows where the bugs could have been? Who knows where we needed to step up our acting game? A hey, Teal'c, nudge nudge, At but the very nope. least, Teal'c would have said something like this is most unusual for you O'Neill or yeah. you know, something he would have said something and Daniel probably would have like body blocked him exactly like I said they would have fucking interfered with this process but instead they just stand there like like they're dealing with make peace like they're dealing Sam with somebody they don't know have, what to do with Sam wouldn't have body blocked him but she would have spoken up like she would have done like the respectfully 
Because, like, her her issue is that she would still be kind of, like, torn on the whole command side of things. Yes, that could be really But she would nice do it in, like, a respectful way, you know? She'd be like, sir, permission to blah, 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 yeah. and, like, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. We've seen it in episodes before. I distinctly am thinking of, like, Robert C. Cooper did an episode where, like, <laughs> a better she writer. was, like... Yeah, exactly. A good writer. <laughs> no, there's, there's a lot in this that could have been done so much better. Like, for example, the fact uh, later in the episode they explore rank a little bit. This could have been an episode where they explored the comp- the complicated relationship that Carter has between, especially since they've, you know, start started to hint at it, between the affection and caring she has for her fellow officers and the line mm-hmm. she has to draw on the fucking sand because of the rank system that they're exactly. both stuck with. They'll do that later. They'll explore that theme a whole bunch. They could have started that here. This could have been a good episode. How many times has that been something we've, we've been really upset about with garbage episodes? It's like, this could have been something good and instead it yeah. misses the mark so heavily. I think one of the weakest points about this episode is the fact that what they wanted to do with this episode would have required at least two episodes to set up. Yeah, that's also something we've complained about before. They just didn't have enough to work with. This feels like they were trying to go for like a heist-like feel. Oh, they absolutely were, but they they came out under Ocean's 12, and I've been on record to say Ocean's 12 is easily the worst Ocean's movie out of the entire lot. So yeah, this, this episode is ultimately in- inconsequential, but brushes by a couple of thematic elements that could have made it excellent, and actually a point of impact in the series, and instead it's just, go away, please. Yeah, so we talked about their reactions, but we didn't say what Jack actually does. What he does is he pries the wall panel off and steals the technology behind it, because it's just like a freaking LED light screen in front of it, and then it's a loose piece of technology inside. <laughs> I, I would kill to find out if it's really that easy to dismantle this shit in the future because like today if you rip like a capacitor out of something you're gonna get a shock <laughs> like mm-hmm. you're gonna pay for it well if you're in the states i don't know if things are like are wired better in other countries where people aren't stupid um but here i'm actually i'm actually gonna cover um jonathan glasner's ass here for a second uh, with an explanation that he definitely didn't think of, but it works. Mm, what's that? Uh, we find out at the end of this episode that while SG-1 was not in on this, the Tolan, the Tolan were. were. So maybe they said so, oh, so you they can steal set easy. up something that yeah. was easy to steal. Well, well it doesn't do jack I, okay, shit. Fine, it's probably just fine. fancy and, looking. And, and, to, and to continue with your point, I must say, as a disclaimer ahead of time of what I'm going to say, Yeah. This is not the episode's fault because everything I'm going to mention comes from later episodes <laughs> from different writers. Mm-hmm. And they can't have known the future, but in the future, they definitely mess with tech, like this kind of stuff, like where you, all you do is rip off a tiny little panel and move around some crystals or something and nothing gets shocked or there's <laughs> sparks, but no one gets shocked. Like there's never any damage to the people. And granted here, you're completely right, it's probably just orchestrated so they wouldn't get hurt off of it. But it does happen a lot in other shit. It always amuses the fucking hell out of me. Because I'm always just like, I love how no one's fingers even get singed by this process. But yeah, so so he steals a piece of tech and like everyone's all like, Jack, what the fuck? Like all they do, I say everyone, Teal'c says nothing. Sam is like, Colonel, what are you doing? And Daniel is the most vocal about like, fucking stop that but none of them do anything and then they just apparently walk out and go to sgc because the next thing we see we're at a briefing where 
It seems like for a brief second, Jack's acted like he thinks he's just gonna get away with presenting stolen technology to Hammond, like he thinks Daniel's gonna cover his ass or something. Yeah. I do like that for a minute Daniel tries to talk around it, where he's like, uh. <laughs> uh, so he like presents this technology to Hammond, and Hammond's like, oh, and they just gave it to us? <laughs> what did you have to promise? And the day, and of course he has like Daniel. And Daniel's like, "Why the fuck am I being dragged into this?" And he looks wildly uncomfortable. And then he tries to like talk around it because this is Daniel. He's not going to immediately jump into selling out his husband, but he's also like, "I'm not gonna fucking lie to cover your ass either." So he's just like, "Uh, oh, we we didn't have to. We didn't promise anything." My note's pretty similar to yours, where mine's like Daniel reminding himself that a wife can't be compelled to testify against her husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel pleads the fifth for a second and then he just shoves Jack under the train anyway because he's mad at him uh, but yeah so Daniel sells Jack out for stealing this technology and Hammond's like what the fuck and like Jack immediately like does this wild heel turn in his personality where it's like it, are, are we supposed to think that this is him in character but just like having reached the end of his rope because I don't think that. I don't buy it in the slightest. Yeah, no, I'd be getting this guy a CT scan because <laughs> he is right? acting like a very different person right now. This uh -huh. is not explainable. This is a radical personality change. And I'm sitting there going like, yeah, it's not believable. I never really understood why, but there you go. That's how you put that into better words. It's because we all knew as audience members, what? <laughs> yep. As a group, we we're 100%. going, what? Exactly. We're like, what? what are you? What are you trying to convince us of right now? Because it's, it's not it. working. Like, yeah, exactly. And then not just because it's an episode of a TV show, and obviously none of this shit can have permanent, long-lasting consequences. But still, this is also just not not to not to diss his acting. His acting does mostly convey it. It's just too out of left field. You know, like you said, if they'd had like yeah. two episodes worth of content, they could have set this up way better. Yeah, Richard Dean Anderson does his best with the script he was given. Oh yeah. But there's only so much you can do with this script. Yeah. And 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 this is the whole part where like they put a lampshade on the fact that Teal doesn't fucking have lines in this episode but with where he's like, oh no, the rest of the team were very vocal about not agreeing with me and well, Teal he didn't say anything, but he, he did raise an eyebrow and tilt his head in a in a fashion that suggested he was disappointed. <laughs> um which would have been funny if it was put in an episode where Teal'c actually talked. Yeah. But no, it's not an episode where he speaks. I do, again, credit to the acting side and the directing side of things. There's a part, I don't remember exactly what she says, because I don't, I think all she says is, like, curl or something. But it's in reaction to, like, Jack's, like, weird-ass meltdown. Sam only says something like curl, but just, like, that one word you can hear in her voice, she is hurt by his heel turn. Like, she is, like, genuinely upset by what how he's acting right now. Like, Daniel's just, like, perplexed and annoyed, but Sam is upset. So, because I want to give Glasner some credit, you know, and he's had what I think is an ongoing communication with the showrunners before, so I feel like... I feel like he's 
privy to details um mm-hmm. and has been, at least has been before and therefore i'd like to think i could give him this credit it's a long-winded way of putting it but i can't be sure because he has dropped the ball a lot with me and i'm fucking yep. done also this episode sucks so yeah anyway um i i want to believe that this was their attempt at trying to further uh what they had introduced in last episode with sam's uh dynamic uh, at the very least, they're trying to emphasize that her side is evolving, whereas yeah. they're not, you know, saying jack shit about Jack yet. <laughs> I always love saying jack shit about Jack. Jack shit about Jack. But they haven't said anything on that front. That's fine. I appreciate the teaspoon helpings, you know, kind of bringing it in. But uh-huh. I'd like to believe this was actually a way of them very minorly <laughs> stepping up that storyline with her being like, but I thought we had a connection. Yeah. And this being, you know, a way of her trying to, like, re- kind of rein herself in. Because, again, speaking of the th- the, th- bleh, the theme of the rank interfering with personal relationships in this place. Yeah. That's the big thing, blocking them mm-hmm. from ever being able to pursue anything. So I'd like to think that this is his, Glasner's way of saying, this is Sam not being an idiot. Realizing, okay, if I'm having a response like this, it's not appropriate. So I'm gonna fucking pull it back, rein it in. And deal with this shit because I'm a fucking yeah. consummate professional. I'd love for that to be what's going on in this scene because that would make me feel like they give a shit about her character and like this episode was better <laughs> written. So I'm gonna go with that as my headcanon. Sure, sure, we can we can pretend that that's true. It, it it was at this point that I wrote the note. I can't tell if three seasons in they were expecting viewers to immediately tell that Jack was wildly out of character, or if they thought the reveal was actually going to be a surprise. I genuinely can't tell. Well, I could go in either court. So there's Hammond says something about like you could have ruined our alliance with the Tolan, and I said, "Oh, what a shame if we lose an alliance with the Tolan who have done absolutely nothing for us." <laughs> but yeah, so Hammond's like, "Go check in with Janet. Uh, I'm relieving you of command right now. Go check in with Janet." And like he makes a point of telling Teal. Colonel O'Neill is no longer in command of you. Because, like, he knows that, like, Teal's going to be the most likely to just immediately obey Jack, even when he is acting weird. Because he has um, in the past. He's had exactly. an unwavering loyalty. So he has to, like, specifically tell Teal, like, he is not in charge of you right now. I got my eyes on you. And as Jack's going off to medical... There's a part where Sam tries to confront him about him acting uh, not like himself. And he says, I haven't been acting like myself since I met you. And at first I was like, is this some really weird sideways way of of pushing the ship forward? Or are they trying to say I choose that to believe. It's such a bad way of going about it, though. Like, And I don't mind like, yeah, that's this episode in a using this episode to push that shit narrative forward. But it's such a... It's not even a sideways, it's like a slant-wise way of going at it. Like, it was so awkward that I was like, or are they just making a reference to the fact that when Sam showed up in the show, it's new Jack O'Neill and not Kurt Russell O'Neill, and we're supposed to think that he's reverted back to Kurt Russell O'Neill? Oh, I could go with that. I'd be down with that. That would that would indicate some nuance that I feel like definitely wasn't supposed to be put here, but I'll take it. Yeah, I don't know, man. But yeah, so he goes to Janet, she rips a thing off of his forehead at some point. It genuinely looked to me like they were trying to wax his eyebrows. 
He tries to leave medical, but Teal'c won't let him. Jack tries to order him, and Teal'c's like, no, Hammond said, I don't have to listen to you anymore, Dad. <laughs> no, you should get your eyebrows threaded. It's better than waxing. Yeah, and, but I love... <laughs> Again, how wasteful and pointless this episode is. We have this the exchange of Teal'c, you know, being like, no, I'm not listening to you. Like, that's not... I, you're not in charge of me right now. And then immediately after he puts his foot down with Jack about that, he gets notified that Jack needs to be brought to him. And so he's moving anyway. And it's just like, come on, show. Ha ha. See, it's funny. It's not. It's annoying. Laughable is not the same as funny, show. There's a difference. So Jack goes to meet up with Hammond. I like like, your mohawk. Fucking up. (laughs) Oh, yeah, my 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 uh it's it's like a half yeah just like your mom yeah. i'm literally just doing it so i don't have loose hair on my back uh while i'm talking as long as you're happy live your truth but yeah so he <laughs> he brings he goes to talk to hammond and hammond basically is like yo you fucked up a lot of shit here's a list of things you've done wrong and um obviously like stealing from the tollen was one of them and then one of them was kidnapping an alien child and i was like is this supposed to be a trumped up charge for cassandra but then I remembered Learning Curve. <laughs> it was so funny because for a brief moment, because of how poorly this episode is written, I was like, are you talking about Cassandra? <laughs> no, that's just the kid they dropped in the hole to blow up. Yeah. Uh, and that was, that was, uh, that was legally mandated. That's the child they legally dropped down a hole to blow up. Yeah. Uh, so, so Jack gets basically told, like, he, and he, just, Oh, uh, we did get a scene, I think it was right after they sent, yeah, it was right after they sent Tilk to medical, the Tolan came through. Um, and they showed once again that, like, the, the fucking Iris does nothing for them. They were able to zoom right through it. And they're, they show up like, hey, I'm pissed. So I know it's, beca- I, it can be explained away by the fact that the Tolan are pissed in this, you know, hypoth- not hypothetical, in this. Quote, unquote. Charade. Pissed. Yeah. But I do love the dedication this show has to proving that, you know that SGC gave the Tolan a GDO at some point. They did! (laughs) They have an IDC, and these people refuse to use it. They are dedicated to their warping tech. It's such plebeian technology, they don't want to dirty their hands with it. I just, I just, I'm endlessly amused by it. This is not a complaint. This is a 100% compliment. I love this touch where I don't care how it's explained away. I love the dedication that Tolan have to not using their goddamn door knocker. It is absolutely uh, petty enough of the Tolan. So they had shown up to like confront Hammond. So now that Hammond's got Jack in his office, he's like, the Tolan are demanding you be punished. And he's like, I have an out offer for you. Retire. And basically Jack takes it and we cut to him at his home and Daniel shows up to confront him like, yo, what the fuck, dude? All I could think in this shot is nothing at all focused on the episode because that's most of my notes for this episode. But the the, uh, stage house or whatever they use for Jack. Uh-huh. They need to do more detail work because, as we're probably already aware, SG-1 probably spends the majority of their time at SGC. On base, yeah. Like, even when they have time off, they tend to kind of stay. 
It's and, not like they have social lives. Right, and even if they don't, I just don't think it's ever been indicated to me that Jack would do anything with his free time other than looking at the sky or fishing. And yet this I was about guy to say has fishing. <laughs> yes. This guy has some well cultivated roses that when they open the door, all I can focus on is I don't think those are his roses. I don't think this is his house. Set dressers need to pay attention. Uh, I guess actually people do that when they want to seem like they're home more because that's yeah. shit, Mel. That's actually a thing for like when people <laughs> want to seem. No, that's a thing people do when like they travel a lot. They don't want people to know they're not home as much because that invites robberies. Oh yeah, so that's they'll true. do shut. They'll do stuff like they'll like they'll put the li- yeah they'll put their lights on like timers and shit to make it look like there's people home to deter theft and stuff. So I bet if you had gardeners come by, it would look like somebody's there to cultivate some fucking roses. <laughs> Fine. Whatever. It was still kind of funny to me that when the door opened, I'm like, oh, those are some gorgeous roses. Why does Jack have roses? That was it. It would honestly work for, like, uh, an undercover job, too. No, it really would. It really would. A, a spy wouldn't exactly want to, you know, advertise their spy, so. There we go. It was a joke, but it works. <laughs> That's most of my life, really. But yeah, so uh, Daniel shows up and there's an awkward little moment where, like, he basically has to tell Jack to invite him in. Was he a vampire? <laughs> I don't know. He wants to make it, he wants to, like, feel better about himself, like, by... <laughs> Call me Lestrat and invite me in. Yes, um... And, like, I love how Jack, I love that no matter how off the deep end and out of character Jack is acting, he knows that, like, he can't be so out of character that he doesn't invite Daniel in. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I would invite him in. I, if, if the spies are watching me and I don't let Daniel in, they're gonna know something's up. Oh, yeah. So he lets Daniel in and he gives him a beer and Daniel tries oh to confront god, him. Oh my god, that scene, though. May I come in? No. You got another one of those? Yeah. Do you want to share? Pause, pause, pause. You want to share? <laughs> and he goes, the beer? Sure. And I'm like, that's honestly good dialogue for like a tiny it little is. bit. Yeah. Do I want to share with you about my life troubles? No, but I can share a fucking beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually, yeah, that actually, okay. Yeah, you know what? There you go, Glasner. That's actually a good exchange of dialogue. I liked that bit. I thought it was funny, and I thought that was actually pretty in character for them. Especially just the, may I come in? No. No, it was, yeah, it was, that's part of what makes it such good dialogue, because it is um, incredibly in character for them. For, like, a moment. Yeah. While one is lying to the other. <laughs> yeah! They're in character. <laughs> so, he brings him in, and um, Daniel tries to confront him about everything, and he basically is like, I didn't come here for the beer, I hate beer. And I'm like... Same, bro. And at first... First, I said, that's only because one beer gets you drunk, as a reference to the pilot. And then I'm like, which doesn't make any sense, considering you taught Abydos how to make moonshine. Yeah, that doesn't track. I get it's a pilot, but, like, in the pilot, they both had him claim to get drunk off of one beer. And also have taught the Abedonians moonshine. It wasn't like there were episodes in between. It was the same episode. You had both things. Oops. Although you could argue that in the pilot, he was just claiming that the beer was getting to him because he was upset. But in this one, there's no real explanation for why he suddenly doesn't like beer and all that shit. I don't know, man. So Jack, like, is keeping up his act. Like, oh, no, no, you know. And I don't, he says some sort of cliche, 
and I don't remember what it was because it doesn't matter. But then he's immediately mad at himself for using a cliche. <laughs> uh, shit, yeah, I remember. I remember the scene, but I I didn't write one sec. Oh, wow. Speaking, I don't do this very often, but it definitely happens more with episodes that I hate. Um, but I, did, I forgot to look up the trivia for this. Oh, I was really close to the mic for that. Um, yeah, you were. <laughs> that was an ASMR experience. <laughs> uh, sorry, one second. What's this one called? I, I wrote it down in my notes. This shitty episode. Um, uh, Shades of Grey? Shades of Grey. God, that's terrible. That is a terrible name. <laughs> no, not Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to bet that there's a Fifty Shades of Grey Stargate fanfiction? I sincerely hope not. I bet there is. Huh. Okay. Because it's just been brought up, guess what? We're doing some trivia. Okay, As of this episode, good. Dr. Fraser has been promoted from the rank of captain to the rank of major. She can be seen wearing gold oak leaf clusters on her shoulder. And but yet course, she didn't get it on screen. In- yeah. yeah. Bull. How dare you? Christian Bacher, Bosher later plays Raymond Gunn, Dr. Levant, the parody of Michael Shanks and Dr. Jackson in the SG-1 episode, Wormhole Extreme. Wormhole Extreme! Yep, and this, this one I did kind of notice, but it's nice to have it on here as a record. At 30 minutes, the anti-gravity device scene has colorful parts that look very similar to the zero-point modules. And it's like, yes, mm-hmm. it's almost like it's a recycled set piece. Mm. Damn it! I would have thought the one with all the quotes would have had the uh, the cliche line. Oh, I mean, darn. it's not an important line. I know, but I thought it was funny. Anyway, I was gonna, I was mad at myself because I remember the scene, but I didn't write down the dialogue. Oh well, I knew that. Um, I knew that Newman thing was a reference to Newman from Seinfeld. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like, that's definitely a reference. Oh, uh, good news, Liz. Yes, there is indeed a Sam and Jack version of Fifty Shades of Grey fanfic. <laughs> That 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 doesn't make me happy to hear. <laughs> it's called the Leather and Lace series. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, that... I had to look it up, so while you were looking uh, up the trivia. <laughs> that makes me so uncomfortable. Uh, that's the trivia. Well, there's a lot of goofs in this episode. Just, that shit, I don't, I, I, cause I, I hate to focus too much on goofs, because I already focused enough on the negative. Um, read the goofs, though, they're funny. <laughs> but, yeah, the big point of trivia I do love right here is, this is, in fact, the last of 13 episodes of Stargate SG-1 written by Jonathan Glasner. That one image of the uh, little Japanese schoolgirls holding the frog saying the evil has been defeated. <laughs> now she will live inside this happy little frog. <laughs> <laughs> the evil has been defeated. Let's just put all of his bad writing inside the spirit of a frog. Someday when I get around to making memes for this show, I'm just going to take that image and write Jonathan Glasner on the Now the bad writing has been contained forever. Yeah. God. You know, it's not like he hasn't done good writing, and so I feel kind of, I always feel kind of bad, you know? Call it the little- Yeah, he wrote Forever and a Day. Yeah, call it the little girl, you know, with the golden rule. But st- seriously, dude. Read a book. Read a book. 
So uh, he says some cliche, and then he's immediately mad at himself for saying it. We don't really care about what the, what the cliche was. And then he calls Daniel a bright guy, which to me felt like a subtle poke at Daniel to realize what's going on. But yeah, so then he says that he calls Daniel a bright guy, uh, which I would like to generously read as him subtly trying to give Daniel hints that, like, something's up, my dude. But yeah, my, my note here was somewhat similar, which was, again, uh, more just a note about it than anything, which was, oh, yes, and this is the part where the audience figures everything out. <laughs> because it's like, he gets a little unsubtle as he's going like, hey, 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 uh-huh. you can think. It's almost a good point. In a, in a better episode, this would have been a cool point. Yeah, except that it's in this episode, so it's not. <laughs> so it's not. I always referred to in Bruges, but I wasn't, so I'm not. <laughs> in a better episode, this would have been really good, but it wasn't, so it's not. Yep. So yeah, and then Daniel leaves, very frustrated with Jack, and then like immediately afterwards, Jack gets another knock on the door, except instead of another one of his friends, I was for a minute, because like, I remembered this episode, but obviously I didn't remember beat by beat for this episode, I was like, is it gonna be Sam or Teal'c, are we just gonna go through the entire team, like one of those, for a minute, I thought it was gonna be like the rest of SG-1 showing up in a line, like the, I don't know, is it called like, This Is Your Life, where- where, like, your friends and family show up to surprise you and, like, walk you through, like, your, your is that life. that thing? Because that <laughs> sounds like this is my nightmare. But all right. <laughs> I only know about it, like, secondhand through, like, Looney Tunes cartoons or something or Animaniacs. I don't know. Some cartoon, like, referenced it. I've never seen it and I don't know what I'm talking about, to be honest. Sounds horrifying to me. But no, it's NID, which means they were just waiting for the the Daniel's terrible date to end so that they could come knocking on his door. <laughs> so NID show up at his door and then we cut to SGC for a little bit. I actually, yeah, so my notes aren't, aren't super coherent. Coherent. Do we meet, do we cut to SGC before we find out why NID are there? I think we do. I'm going to assume we do. Um, so we cut to SGC and the team are trying to figure out, you know, how they're going to get their team filled out. And Daniel's very firm about, no, they bring in someone like Ferretti and then Sam takes over. My God, I got I got a self-shame for a sec because in their dialogue, uh, they're, you know, well, they're questioning why they're there. Forget who says it, but someone says, I am most likely we're going to find out who our fourth is. And for a second, I went down the worst possible route. I was sitting there going no. like, no, guys, you can stay a throuple. It's fine. In your defense, as soon as you said who our fourth was, I knew exactly what your thought was. Right? And like, it's completely on me because it, the scene kept going for like a good 10 seconds before I was like, oh, right, fourth team member. Okay, <laughs> cool. Moving on. It was, it was bad. It was bad. It was, I just had to tell you about that. Thank you. I appreciate your confession. So, oh, that gave me some flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> this is your life. <laughs> oh god, no. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> okay, so um Daniel's very firm about no, we'll get someone like Freddie and Sam will take over and Sam's like they're not going to have a major be in charge. And she's right because they bring in make peace. And I do love that Daniel's immediately like, um, I think Sam should be in charge of this team. He's so loyal. I did love 
Daniel, like, defending Sam. Like, he was very vehement about, like, I think she deserves to have, to be in charge of this team. And Hammond's like, Sam, Hammond says the same thing Sam does. A major can't be in charge of the team. This show is a victim of its own episodes, so, sometimes. Because, in a better episode, they wouldn't have disposed of a good-ish character like Makepeace. Because he was established as, like, for as we've talked about with him, he's not an idiot. He's somewhat developed, as in at least you've seen him before. And instead of scapegoating him like this, you actually could have used him as a way to show the backup relationships that SG-1 has within SGC. Mm-hmm. Because by having a prior relationship with Makepeace, this could have been the opposite. This could have been a, a more fleshed out episode in that you could actually see how the dynamic of SG-1 changes prior to getting a new commander. So that way when, you know, Cameron shows up, it's not such a big thing. Because mm-hmm. I remember feeling a little bit surprised by that because I didn't know Richard Dean Anderson was going to retire between uh, seasons. Um, I, I was also a kid, so I was probably just missing a lot of stuff. But the point is, it felt a little bit, at, you know, out of left field. So this kind of storyline would have been really cool. You know, you could have seen how the others reflect upon getting Makepeace as their commander. And by not having him be a bad guy, you could have actually explored this. And then again, you could have kept him for other stuff. But no, you just wasted him here. And again, speaking in a slightly dirty frame of mind, I think it would have been kind of funny watching um, a new sort of uh, chemistry between Daniel and his new daddy. Um... Because, because oh, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, when he's not been happy yeah, with but how, that, but um, no, to think about it, because like, insubordinate Daniel is. That, but that would be something cool to explore. Because like when he comes yeah, in, I forget. I think it's Hammond, but he asks like, "Is everything gonna be you know okay between you guys or whatever?" Hmm. And Sam says something on the lines of, "Yeah, we're you know we'll we'll, we'll do this." Uh, Daniel says, I don't know, but I'm open. And I immediately again went oh down the fourth route where I'm like, Jesus, Daniel, you're not helping this out. All right. Okay. But that would have been fun too to explore. A lot of uh-huh. things would have been fun to explore. And instead, we get an introduction, half a conversation, a reveal, and then he's out. Yep. Oh, cool. That was. Yeah, it's. it's that wasn't a waste of a character or our yeah. time. Cool. Yeah, and he was like, he had a fun personality in, in the uh, second Hathor episode, the part two. But now we but, have to start yeah, over with somebody on. new, I guess. Yeah, it's annoying. But yeah, Daniel, you know, voices his doubts and everything. And I agree with him because having a Marine lead the flagship team, not a great plan. I don't think it sends the best message either. No, no, it doesn't. Listen, it's because they do a very specific job at SGC, and it's not diplomacy. Yeah, you don't send the Marines for diplomacy. You send them when diplomacy has failed. Exactly. That's why it's like, you shouldn't have a Marine leading the... I do wonder if they had suspicions about Makepeace, which is why they Probably. put him on SG-1. No. There's, like I said, there's, 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 a, there's a bunch of shit going on behind the scenes in this episode, and they think it's they good writing. they bother to tell us about. Yeah, and I think it's good writing that it's all like implied like this after the fact. And it's like, no, the fact that you just didn't set it up at all is just lazy. Sorry, but not sorry. Yeah, um, so Tilt isn't happy about Jack being gone. Uh, even Makepeace thinks Jack is acting out of character. And yet it still and works no as a trap for him. Yeah, uh, but no one's thrilled. And we cut back to Jack, who is having a meeting with NID. And it's uh, Mayborn, obviously, who's basically, hit, sum it up, he wants to hire Jack for his illegal SG team. <laughs> Remember the uh, SG team from the other inconsequential episode, what was it, Touchstone? 
The other episode that didn't need to exist. Yeah, yeah, I think it was Touchdown because they stole the relic from Touchdown. Yeah, we're bringing it back for another bad episode. Uh, and he wants to hire Jack for that team. Brings in a, a hot guy on a little tiny... Oh, wait, that's no, later. Never mind. Well, no. He does show him the, uh... I mean, I, ball. I don't... Was the was the ball? Yeah, he, show, he brings this out the ball. He brings out the gold communication okay. device. Okay, and then um, and then a semi hot guy shows up who's wearing some yeah, guy liner. Newman. Yeah, Newman. Uh, and and Jack says hello, Newman, which is a reference to Seinfeld. And then I do enjoy Jack calling this guy a kid. <laughs> I do love that the what is he, guy. 30? Like, yeah, I do love that the guy kind of like double takes the first time he calls him kid. He's like, uh, Rude. yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> so. <laughs> Jack is trying so hard to get information as quickly as possible. He keeps doing these like probing comments like, oh, so what do you need from me? What what are you doing? Where are you where are you based? Who works for you? You know like, and Maybird keeps being like, if you accept, you'll find this information out. A garbage line that I also kinda like. Don't ask me how that works. Even I don't know. But there's one that he has at one point right before he starts telling Jack stuff where he goes what I'm about to tell you isn't so much classified as it is secret. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, my note says it's not classified because it's illegal, my guy. Yeah, it's like, I love how it's like, okay, so it's secret because it's against the rules. And I like how much you're emphasizing it here where you're not letting anything get out. You're not even really mentioning an NDA so much as just not even, I don't even know. He's not even well, he, being threatening. He also, well, no, actually, he is being threatening. Oh, is he? He didn't seem very effective to me scene. then, I guess. Well, it's it's one line. He does, after he says that about, like, it's not classified, it's uh, a secret, he does say um, something along the lines of, after you find out about this, if you choose to back out afterwards, you will basically be made to disappear. I don't remember the exact wording. But he does suggest that if you bow out, you will be killed. Yeah, no, I forgot about that. Okay, other than that, though, it's still stupid. <laughs> Yeah, he does. I I just don't. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he basically gets um, uh, Jack signs up. We cut back to SGC where Makepeace is having some Makepeace is like reporting into Hammond about the team dynamics, and he's having some problems. He's like, um, Colonel Carter's Colonel <laughs> later <laughs> she deserves to be a Colonel. Um, Major Carter is fine, but um. Jackson and the Jafar are giving me problems. And he immediately is like, well, maybe if you didn't think of him as the Jafar. But I do, but like, uh, yeah, of course he's having a problem with Daniel. Jack let Daniel get away with so much shit. Jack would let Daniel get away with murder. He has a new person in charge of him. Daniel's going to be going up against that person like so much. There's this, obviously. Uh, since I'm already on a supernatural kick, I might as well continue it. There was something sure. I saw in a convention video once, which had me on the floor laughing. Mm-hmm. The you know main main star uh, Jared Padalecki is exceptionally tall. He's like six four. Yeah, giant. Apparently, according to his co-star, <laughs> he's got a bit of a funny complex—not like an actual one, but like a funny complex about his height. In the sense of, if he ever comes across anybody who's taller than him, he'll like take it as a personal insult and like walk <laughs> up to them and like kind of like compare height, kind of just be like, "What? What? What?" Oh my god! I get this kind of image from Daniel when he when he comes across a new uh, authority figure. 
that's in his way. <laughs> just like where he just starts rebelling. like walking up to him, just going like what, 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 doing the intimidation, the the puffing your feathers up. <laughs> yeah, kind of like what Jared Padalecki like he does to tall people, where he just goes up to them. He's just like what, what you gonna do, huh, huh? What are you taller than me? Yeah, 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 you are taller than me. All right, cool. Fuck you. <laughs> Cool, fuck you. That's kind of Daniel I get, which is him walking up like, what are you going to do, tell me no? Yes, I'm going to tell you no. Well, well cool, fuck you. Well, I- I'm not happy about that. <laughs> and I'm a civilian, so I can say that, so fuck you. <laughs> so fuck you. Sounds about right. Now I'm going to go back, be- but because I choose to. But because I choose to, not because you told me to. That's Daniel. Oh, 100%. For some reason, I resonate with that. I'm doing this, but because I want to. Yes. That's like, I have this personal thing when people say, hey, do you want to help me with this? I'll say no, but I will anyway. Yeah, you you love saying that. I do, because why are you asking me if I want to? If I wanted to, I'd already have offered. It's like, obviously, I don't want to. But I will. I have no problem with helping. But it's not so much a case of want to as uh, I have no problem once I'm asked. It's just a slightly different thing for me. Call me a petty bitch, but that's how it is. (laughs) But yeah, so... We get that part, but I, t- but my note says anyway. Love that Daniel's taking his breakup out on Makepeace. <laughs> He's not rebounding. He's just full on taking it out. Yeah, and then he learned his lesson in rebounding when he almost got together with a freaking uh, mass killer. Right. So then, uh, Jack comes in at this point because he has accepted Mayborn's offer. And his way of meeting up with the team is that he goes to Hammond and says, hey, I want to retire, but I want to retire off-world. I got a woman pregnant. Yeah, he doesn't say that, thank God. I bet it was in one of the scripts originally. He instead says, yo, you remember Lyra? Lara? Um, well, I promised I'd come back sometime. So Hammond approves it, because of course he does, because he's in on the, the scheme. But Hammond does warn him. Which I guess was supposed to be, because it turns out he definitely does have a fucking IDC code, because he he comes in later on just fine. Well, it's meant to be a fake out for Makepeace, so Makepeace thinks everything's good. Oh, yeah, yeah, there we go. I I forgot for a second that Makepeace was there. There we go. So he tells Jack that, you know, if I let you do that, you can't go through with an IDC, you'll be stuck there. And Jack's like, yeah, that's fine, I don't care. It explains the almost good build-up to that scene where, um, when he first shows up, Makepeace says, do you want me to leave, Colonel? And he says, I don't care. And then Hammond says, we're not oh, yeah. done here, Makepeace. And that's when Makepeace sits down, perfectly presented to be privy to this yeah, conversation. they definitely suspected Makepeace was the... I think it was one of those things where it's like, you, um, when you're not sure who the spy is, but you have three possible people, you tell each of them a detail... And then you yeah, see exactly. which one is the one that surfaces, and that's the one you know is the source. Yeah. So, actually, that makes a timing thing also. Here's the thing. There's so much stuff that it's like, if you think about it and give this episode a little bit too much credit, some things actually work really well. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get to, if I remember it, well, I, I'm going to say it now because I don't know if I'll remember it when we get there. There's a part later on where, like, there's a, a uh, coincidental timing thing. Like, uh, um, God, what's the word you always use? Um, or like the timing is really helpful. <laughs> Convenient. Convenient, thank you. Convenient timing. And originally my note was, oh yeah, like, it would be convenient timing, except Jack would have orchestrated this timing to be convenient on purpose. However, it could also be on Hammond's side where he decided to send SG-1 through earlier. We'll never know because they didn't bother to write it. Nope. But yeah, so... 
so Jack gets approved to go through. Uh, he immediately turns around and dials for another address that Mayburn apparently gave him and comes out on the planet where they've got the base, um, where the, the illegal team is at. And they start, like, showing him around to all this tech that they have here. And I just need to know, I need to know, how has NID managed to find all the technologically advanced planets? Uh, based on a garbage piece of dialogue, they were, like, that involved SG-9, I, I guess, and this is, this is why I say garbage, is because it's not set up in any previous episodes or anything, but I got the briefest hint of an insinuation that they might be implying that SG-1 and others have been, have been contacting, have been finding on, you know, off- screen emissions everyone's been telling them have been finding high-tech people who for various reasons like the ones shown on screen because that would be too easy they can't or won't part with their technology and so because they didn't turn out to be plot relevant in quotes i put plot relevant they're not featured in any episodes but then this team comes in in the background steals them that's actually something that you could have shown with some other episodes like any of those people you've had some contention with, you could have shown, like, a background guy who was listening in and watching in and writing down a coordinates group or something. Because then that could have shown that they're, that's where these people were getting their fucking intel. And, yeah. like, shit like that. This episode could have been good. Instead, it was awful. Sounds about right. And it could have had setup, but I think, again, that's more doomed because of the writer's situation. I can't always blame a singular writer for that so much as, like, well, depends. Were they there in the same room the same day other stuff was written? Like, how much how much control is there? Well, never, I, I'll never know, probably. Or if I did know, that would involve research that I have not been able to do. <laughs> Sounds about right. So they, they show him a whole bunch of technology, and the one who's, like, showing him the technology is, um... The, the bubbly girl that you mentioned earlier. And I didn't say she was bubbly. She was bouncy. She was bouncy. literally bouncy. She looked like she had was like she was made out of rubber. <laughs> what she looked like was a new actor who didn't know how to sit still. Because every That's single fair. time she did anything, her shoulders and body were constantly moving. Like she just didn't know how to sit still and how to stand still. And it kind of reminded me of those youth theater things I used to see as a kid. And it's like, okay, okay, you're not a terrible actor, but it'd be really nice if you sat still for more than 30 seconds. Uh, but yes, so of course, of course, NID grabs the woman who we find out from this woman that uh, Sam beat her out for a position at SGC. Of course. This is like in Star Wars and Star Trek. Not everybody has to be related. It's also such a petty reason to go rogue and illegal. I didn't get the job I wanted. I'm gonna be a criminal now. I was like, girl, your backstory needs some fucking work. But they're not going to bother to, they barely gave her, they barely bothered bothered to give her a name. They're not going to give her a backstory. What was her name? I don't know. There we go. Claire. Claire. Claire Tobias? Yeah, there we go. Cool. So, sorry, I lost where I was in my notes. Very good. Oh, uh, yeah, so he's being, you know, shown around. And then uh, they get a call from Mayborn on the gold uh, talking device. And there's something very pointed about having Mayborn's face show up on the gold talking device, the device that normally shows gold uh, system lords on it. I think that was a very pointed visual. That was not a bad point. Yeah. No, that was actually a good visual. Uh, but he's telling them about this new mission where uh, there's an, there's a location of a pretty um, 
non-advanced race on a planet that has this one piece of technology that, like, they'll go hide in a cave and it'll hide them from predators. And they're supposed to go and get it. I love how they just completely gloss over the fact that, let's say that that's like, there's like one device per cave. They just fucked over a group of people just there. Oh yeah, my note says that. I'm like, oh cool, so you're just going to to fuck these people yeah, over. Yeah, it's like, like runs, dead runs into the cave where they definitely left this thing. Their last words were, God damn it, Fred, I thought you said you hid it here. Yeah, my, my note says, also, wow, just gonna take the only defense that civilization has against predators. Cool, cool. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. I mean, cool. I know they established they'll do that in Touchdown, but jeez. Yeah, they yeah they one hundred percent do. They were real. They were ready to destroy that entire planet because that was just gonna. The weather was going to fuck up that entire planet. But yeah, so they do a quick little in and out mission where they find this cave. They find the device. Jack recognizes it as Asgard, and then um, they're like, "Yeah, well, this is an Asgard protected planet." And my note did originally go, "How do these fuckers know which one are Asgard protected planets?" But then I forgot that they had a fucking mole. So. <laughs> Uh, never mind on that note. But yeah, they get out. It was a very easy job because these are primitive, this is a primitive planet. They were just given a gift by the Asgard. And they find out that, well, Jack finds out that their next mission is to deliver it to their Stargate spy. Their Stargate command spy. And, um, it's originally Newman's supposed to, like, make delivery or something. And Jack's like, no, no, I'll do it. He's like, really? You sure you, you don't need to do that? And he's like, no, it's part of, you know, command and learning uh, a new job. You, you do every job once, which is a decent excuse, It's a honestly. decent excuse, but still, to steal this from CinemaSins again, this works. Yeah, the fact, it's a decent excuse, but also they just hired this man. You should send someone with him. You ever heard the phrase, trust but verify? I mean, come yeah, exactly. on, guys. Yeah. But they, they trust Jack to just wander off. I think part of it, I think if Mayborn had been on site, maybe they would have been a little bit more like, mm. but all the people maybe working for him right now are babies who don't have a lot of critical thinking. <laughs> maybe it's like that thing I've heard about with like serial killers where they all secretly want to get caught. <laughs> maybe. Maybe these guys are tired of always sweating on that planet they're hiding on. <laughs> they just want to go home. Yeah. I mean, all the... Between Claire and uh, Newman, they both seem to have this kind of, like, eager but, like, undirected energy. Like, yeah, Newman's honestly kind of happy to point out to Jack that he was one of the people that Jack was firing yeah, at. Yeah, it like an odd fanboy scene. Yeah. So I think that, I think, I think it's the fact that, like, Mayborn's not on site. They're all just kind of children who don't know how to tell Jack no. That would track. But yeah, so uh, Jack takes the device and um, he goes to the coordinates where he's supposed to drop it off and he hides it under the rocks like he's supposed to and then immediately, um, immediately. starts dialing through. Yeah, he's, he's still crouched down next to the device hiding it when the, start, the gate starts dialing and he ducks into some bushes and watches and of course, SG-1 walks through. Because of course. Because even though they yeah, mention things like SG-11 and SG-9 and shit like that, we only ever see, like, two. Yeah. I mean, we'll sometimes see the other teams, but it's it's always just, like, for an episode. Yeah. I feel like the most we ever see other um, other teams is in the Unis episode, where half of them get killed by the, <laughs> the archaeology They only ever show up when they need to get foddered. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so SG-1 walks through, Jack watches all of them from a distance. There's something, quote-unquote, cinematic and meaningful about him watching them from afar. 
his team that he's left. I, I'm sure it's supposed to be emotionally riveting, but it's not because him splitting in the first place was stupid. Plus, again, they dedicate like five minutes to each segments, segment of this episode, so it's hard to exactly. feel invested in something that has no setup. So as they're leaving... <laughs> they come through and they're like, well, nothing here. Okay, time to leave. Oh, I know. God, um, that just... <laughs> well, Makepeace is in charge and he's only here to grab an item. He doesn't give a fuck. So as they're dialing in, Makepeace does this really obvious, oh, gotta tie my shoe, and, le- and crouches down next to the device and grabs the item that Jack stowed. And they go back through, and then Jack goes back to uh, his planet you know, the, the the fake Stargate team's planet. Uh, but as he leaves the gate, we see, I'm assuming Thor, <laughs> teleport down and stand next to the DHD and look very displeased, as displeased as a gray alien can look. All while looking at the uh, gate symbols, which are still showing. Lit. On yeah, the, exactly. Uh, um, and then she, almost immediately after Jack comes through the gate, uh, they start being attacked by the Asgard from above, and all of the items that they've stolen over the, the months uh, are being beamed up by Asgard. And Jack's immediately like, well, time to dial out! <laughs> and like, what is going on? He's like, that's Asgard, and they're stealing their stuff back. They're probably pretty pissed. I love how surprised they look, too, that he's betrayed them. What? The new guy Here's who didn't the like us? They don't know if th- that he's betrayed them at this point because he's still kind of. They like, look surprised effort, by the whole like, situation, like they haven't put pieces together whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. If they had critical thinking skills, maybe they would have suspected him of betraying them. But at this point, like, because Jack hasn't sold himself out yet, he's like, "Oh yeah, the the, the Asgard are like that. They're they can see everywhere, kind of thing." And he's like, you know, they're teleporting their items up right now, but if you wait longer, they're gonna start teleporting people. I'd leave now. I'm leaving now. Let's go with. And they agree because what what the fuck else are they going to do? So he dials an address that we don't see. And then the next thing we see is we see them all coming out into Stargate Command, SGC. And everyone starts getting rested with their little zip tie handcuffs. And make pieces, of course, there with zip tie handcuffs. And this fool thinks that Jack led this team to SGC, but doesn't know that he's a mole. <laughs> I, I do have to admit, I do like that scene, though, where uh, Jack goes, oh, can I, oh, can I have a pair? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, here you go. And he goes, and cool. immediately handcuffs him. him. No, I honestly, I like it. I, 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 I like the confidence there where he's like, I'm not. I haven't been revealed. I'm fine. <laughs> and then Jack be like, oh, can I have a pair? So Jack, like, Asks Makepeace for a zip tie handcuff and then immediately handcuffs Makepeace with the zip ties he was just given. And as everyone's being handcuffed, the Tolan walk in and I was like, these motherfuckers have nothing better to do than hang around for the entire length of this goddamn job. It's it's not a well-crafted episode. And as they walk in, Jack does his uh, Sora... Friendship is my power, quote. <laughs> and they nod approvingly at him. And basically, you find out that, like, you know, that the Tolan were in on this the whole time. 
that they had been confronted by the Tull and the Asgard and the Nox for constantly stealing items. And they're like, we haven't been, but we can help you find who has. And this has been a sting operation from the beginning. And the SG-1 are like, why didn't you tell us? Did you not trust us to not be in on it? And it's like, no, no, we just wanted you to be as believable as possible, you know, It's with not that trail. we didn't trust you, it's we didn't trust your acting skills. Uh, yeah, but I love that, like... Daniel continues to be bitter. He does not accept this explanation. He's so salty this whole Dude, end. I love, I love Daniel at the end of this because he's like, wait, 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 even that presentation part, I put a lot of work into that. Yeah, he's like, I put so much work into the diplomatic side of he things was so Tolan, and none of it meant anything. Fuck off. Uh, but I do love that Hammond tries to, like, cover for Jack's ass for lying to his wife and husband. He's like, no, look, I, I told him he had to. <laughs> I love the uh, aftermath of this where Jack's having to reassure Daniel about their marriage. Yeah, exactly! <laughs> like in the hallway. Jack just doesn't want to be put in the doghouse. Once again, Daniel gets back at him because he's like, no, I really appreciate you yes. coming to the house. I really appreciate you showing me you cared. And he's like, well, I lost. He's like, at, at straws. He's like no, we drew straws. I lost. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not what happened, but Daniel's so salty that he's lying to Jack. What I love is when Jack's like looking at Sam and she just goes, I don't know, and walks off. And then Teal's reaction, <laughs> yes. Teal's like eyebrow thing because he's getting back at da uh, Jack in his own way. So he just lets it continue as well. And Jack's like, but, but, but as he follows behind. That wasn't a bad I do wrap love up. that Sam's like, I may also be married to you, but I'm not getting in this this <laughs> this fight right now. Last That's week not you got to pregnant, okay? So I'm still mad myself. <laughs> yeah, I do love that Sam's like throwing him under the bus of Daniel's anger as well. Like, no, I'm not helping. <laughs> I'm, you, I'm dude. more scared of him than I am of you. Sorry. <laughs> Fair, good for her. She's being smart about it. Daniel, when he's mad, is like Daniel petty mad is. I will take a machine gun to a tank full of baby gold. Like, <laughs> yeah, I do love how it's just salty Daniel is at the end of this episode. <laughs> Which I don't blame him at all. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's how the episode ends with Daniel being like, we drew straws and I lost and nobody refutes him. <laughs> then, then everyone goes their separate ways. Yep, it's a hasty wrap-up to a hasty episode, so I have very little complaint because it's honestly on track with the whole episode. Yeah, it's and like, that it's just as crappy as the rest. done with this. Yeah, yeah, and I'll take an end in any way I can get it. Absolutely. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, so, so. nobody died. Nobody died. I'm sure uh, Daniel tried to kill Jack with his eyes a couple of times, but it didn't actually work, so. Nope. Are you a Jack or are you a Daniel in this episode? Is that even a question? I am a Daniel in this episode because Jack acts extremely out of character. And also, I would not make a good spy because I tend to be very accurately passionate about my stuff. As in, I couldn't fake passion about a fake topic and I wouldn't know when to shut up. So I would not be, I would not be a good spy here. I would not be a good Jack in this episode. I definitely can't fake passion for a subject I'm not interested in. I'm decent at, like, avoiding notice, but that's not really what Jack's doing. And also, I feel how salty Daniel is right? at, no. at the end of this episode in my I, I I'm as miffed as he is, especially with that, but I fuck you, I did a whole presentation and everything. Rude. I would absolutely lie to someone's face <laughs> about losing in a, a straw poll if I was that mad about it. <laughs> 
So yeah, I'm so, yeah, Daniel. I'm, I'm also a Daniel. That, there's, there's no question there. It's kind of like how last week we were both Jacks because Daniel wasn't in the episode. Yeah, it feels like Jack wasn't in this one. No, he wasn't. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so I don't think anyone's going to be shocked, but uh, Joaquin Phoenix. I don't like to be too harsh and give it a thumbs down. Actually, you know what? Fuck it. I talked myself into it. I'm giving it a <laughs> thumbs down because this episode sucks. It does. Like, here's the on thing. On a good day, it's meh. But on a bad day, it does damage. And right now, it's doing damage. It is. I, I mean, ultimately, I think what really uh, does damage to it is... Itself. It's entirely inconsequential. It doesn't need to exist. It does nothing. Fuck it. Nothing changes. The Asgard, the Nox, and the Toln are still not going to give SGC technology... We didn't know about all of this supposed stolen technology happening. Like, it, it, nothing changes. Yeah. So, yeah, thumbs down. It just, it, it, the ending almost makes it a meh because the ending is great with the saltiness, but, like, the whole rest of the episode, it was painful watching how out of character Jack was. I just don't like it. I just don't like it. Yeah, and I don't like plots like this to begin with. So, so, that's it for this week. Next week... We are watching Season 3, Episode 19, New Ground, and the synopsis for this episode is SG-1 journeys to a planet where their arrival ignites a war between two cultures. A powerful spy realizes, realizes his side could win the war if SG-1 and the Stargate can be neutralized. Will O'Neill and his team make the same realization and save themselves in time? I hate this episode. <laughs> so here's the thing. Let me put it to you this way. This episode gives Cheesy a bad name. My memory of it is not flattering, so. Oh no. What? I mean, maybe your memory is just old. I don't know, because it's written by Heather Ash. Yeah. I, I, it's happened before. There's been times where I'm like, no, this episode sucks, and then I'm rewatching it going, what the fuck was I thinking? This is good. So, I've been wrong before. No, not wrong, just updated. <laughs> like, you know, because yeah. kid me can't always be trusted to like what adult me likes. That's a sentence out loud. Yeah, and to be fair, like, well, I mean, Heather Ash tends to write, like, a little bit more complicated subjects that, like, kid you might not really have appreciated appreciate or, not, or, or acknowledge. <laughs> so maybe, we'll see. I'm interested we'll see. to see. Because uh, you've got such a bad memory for it, but we both really like Heather Ash, so it'll be an interesting experience at the very least. Yes, it will. Uh, but until then, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at ItSmellNotLiss or our podcast Twitter at PointOfOriginPC. You can also email us at you can also email us at PointOfOriginCast at gmail.com or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it to the nearest wormhole. Am I done sneezing? No. You can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes. And if you like the show, please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you for joining us on our incursion through the iris. And until next time. <laughs> <laughs>